Next in our series of, of spring cleaning and spring detoxing our body is to talk about what types of toxins what types of toxins exist and how do I test for them. So this is going to be the medical version of uh, toxic burden. Uh, I think too many uh, people online and things just focus on detox in general as just ambiguous, vague thing that as long as you eat cilantro and do this juice cleanse that you're going to be healthier. But what toxins are you actually detoxifying? Which ones are actually over accumulated in your body and what is the best way to get those out? So luckily in a medical practice, we've got access to lab testing of all of the biological toxins or uh, toxins in general. And so we can actually determine which categories of toxins you struggle with the most and have pinpoint accuracy as far as what we're going to detoxify. There are four major categories of toxins, biological, mold, environmental chemicals, and heavy metals. We're gonna go through each one in a little bit more detail, but those are the main basic categories of toxins. Almost all toxic issues in this world can fall into one of those categories. If you know which category you're struggling with, then it, di it dictates the types of treatment that you'll get afterwards. So the first one we're gonna go over is biological toxins. Biological toxins is probably the number one thing never talked about and, and definitely missed by most practitioners. Biological toxins sounds a little crazy, but the idea that yeast, fungi, bacteria, candida, EBV, whatever you want to call it, makes biological toxins. After all, penicillin, which is a well-known antibiotic, and that's what started the whole antibiotic revolution, is actually a bacterial toxin, a, a fungal toxin to bacteria. We hijacked penicillin from fungi because fungi were using it to kill bacteria so fungi could grow further by defeating its competition. And we stole it and turned it into an antibiotic of, of God knows what proportion and overused it. But the idea that all living organisms make biological toxins of varying degrees, some are very toxic to humans, some are less toxic to humans, but the, the first idea whenever we start someone's detoxification plan is we always restore their gut because that's where the majority of biological organisms live. Doesn't matter if it's fungus, mold, candida, bacteria, whatever it may be, is making ongoing biological toxins. So we talked about in one of my last videos about stopping the retox and so avoiding the toxins in your water and air and food and products. But this is another huge category of stopping the retox. If you don't kill the living organisms that are making you toxic, then you'll never be able to detoxify faster than they can make biological toxins. So the main two tests to determine if you have biological toxin overload is a stool study. So I've, I can't show the whole stool study here. It's like a nine page report. But here you see this person has three species or two species of candida and another uh, geotrichum. So they've got fungal overgrowth, mega fungal overgrowth. They also have bacterial overgrowth. So this person is clearly suffering from lots of biological toxins. I will tell this patient there is no reason to start detoxification unless you start treating these biological organisms because you can't treat faster than they can make it. Okay. The other side of this is the organic acids test, and there's two different companies that offer organic acids testing, Genova and GPL Great Plains Labs. This is the GPL version, and I, this is small for you to see, but the idea behind here is that there are levels that we can check to see if there's living, growing organisms that are making biological toxins. Now, we're not to the point of being able to tell exactly which organisms make biological toxins. There's a lot more research needed in this category, but we can pretty much assume that if you're over growing 
organisms, you probably have too many biological toxins on board. The story is even more complex than that. They've proven that a beneficial bacteria that grows in your microbiome that you want to have there, when it overgrows, it actually makes a toxin called polysaccharide A. And that toxin is actually from a totally normal bacteria that's overgrown. Another example of biological toxins is C. diff diarrhea, Clostridia difficile diarrhea. If you've ever met anyone with that, they wouldn't wish it on their worst enemy. And that is a perfect example of a bacteria that overgrows, but it's not the presence of the bacteria that causes all the disease. It's actually the toxin that the bacteria makes. So don't wish that on your enemy. Hopefully you don't find out about C. diff diarrhea. The next category is mycotoxins. Now, mycotoxins come from mold, which is what myco stands for, fungal. So mycotoxins come from mold. And the big confusing part about mold is that mold is a living, growing organism, grows in wet walls and, and wet homes and, and all kinds of water leaks. But mold makes two main things. Most people focus on the spores. So you've got an air filter to get the spores out. But what most people miss is they miss the fact that molds are gassy little creatures. They fart a lot. And that farting, that gas they create, is called mycotoxins. These mycotoxins are, are tiny little molecules that air purifiers and things have a hard time dealing with, which is why we recommend the air doctor that gets down to the chemical level. But mycotoxins, even though they're a biological toxin, so mold is a living, growing organism, just like you see here. So even though mycotoxins are from a living, growing organism, I give them a different category because they're much trickier to get rid of. The fungi are sneaky. Mold is even sneakier. So mold produces these mycotoxins in order to destroy our, our own immune system, confuse our immune system to look the other way and not attack them. And so mycotoxins are, are very difficult to treat because your immune system doesn't know what to do with it. It's being confused. In fact, one of the mycotoxins called mycophenolic acid, this patient has it, is actually a brand name drug. If you've ever heard anyone that had a kidney transplant or any liver, or any organ transplant in general, they're put on a drug called Cellcept. Cellcept is actually mycophenolic acid. It's made from mold. We stole it from mold as an immune suppressant. The reason anyone with a transplant is on it is because they, we don't want the immune system attacking the, the organ that got transplanted in because it's technically a foreign object to the immune system. So they're put on lifelong mycophenolic acid to suppress the immune system. So if the pharmaceutical industry is using this as a drug, you better believe it's powerful. Now that's the one we know about. We don't know how immunosuppressive the other ones are. There's not enough research and we need to learn a lot more. But needless to say, mycotoxins are very problematic. In addition, the, another reason why mycotoxins are specifically problematic compared to many of the other toxins, and I don't want to get too medical here, but the idea is that mycotoxins are both water-soluble and fat-soluble at the same time. Almost all chemicals, proteins, fats, whatever in this world are one or the other. They are either fat-soluble and get stored in our toxins and our cell membranes, or they're water-soluble and they're easier to pee out mycotoxins can actually flip back and forth. So when you're trying to urinate it out, it can actually flip back to fat soluble, stick to your cell membrane, and then you can reabsorb it again. So mycotoxins get their own category because they are really tricky. Number three is environmental chemicals. And if we thought we knew a little about mold toxins, and we know even less about environmental chemicals, the best test we have for environmental chemicals test for uh, about 18 chemicals. And you know, as well as I do, that there are hundreds of thousands, if not millions of chemicals in our environment that have been created and put out into products and, and food and water and everything else. So unfortunately, we've got a long ways to go to learn about testing the, 
the testing humans for environmental chemicals. But this is the best test we have. And so this one's from Great Plains Lab. They call their the, the GPL talks. But you can literally test for environmental chemicals. So this first one's looking at MTBE, and this patient has 9,000. And the, the cutoff of 95% of people are below 7,000. So this person's toxic. They've got perchlorate at 57, which is four times the abnormal. Anyway, so this test looks at the different environmental chemicals that you might have been exposed to, but also are stored in your toxins for years and years, uh, stored in your tissue for years and years until you're able to remove it. This is, it's important to make sure that you're avoiding the toxins before you do this test, because if you're consuming toxins, we, we had a, um, an eight-year-old that went to a gym, uh, like a, a gymnast gym, and they had just redone the floors and there was this heavy chemical smell and the parents just happened to do her chemicals test the next day not thinking anything of it and her chemical level i forget which one it was but it was absolutely off the chart something that no uh, eight-year-old should ever have her level was like twenty thousand, and normal was a hundred and so we repeated the test after a significant amount of time had passed and you could see that the level well although still high was not nearly as much off the chart an acute exposure to a toxin will look a lot higher than a stored amount that your body's slowly detoxifying. Last but not least is heavy metals, which are pervasive in our society. There's even been studies linking heavy metals to baby food, even organic baby food. So heavy metals are all over the place, and in my opinion, we test all of our patients for it because there's no exact sign or symptom um, of heavy metals until you actually test for it. We've been fooled before where people we thought would be low were actually really high, and then people that we thought should be high were actually pretty low. So that's the importance of testing. So in this heavy metal uh, test, you can see that this person's mercury was really high at 58, and normal is less than four. Now there's a lot of ifs, ands, and buts with heavy metal testing and how it's done. The main way we test for heavy metals, and in my opinion, is the best way to test, and if you're not doing it this way, then it's a useless test. You must do a urine collection of heavy metals, and you must do it after an infusion of drugs, basically, chelating drugs that pull heavy metals out of your body are, are given. So what we do is you come in, you can't eat fish or shellfish for 48 hours before, because they naturally have mercury and some arsenic. So it will give a false elevation if you've consumed those. So after the 48 hours of no fish or shellfish, then we sit you down and do an IV infusion and we collect urine before the IV infusion to see what your metals are. They're usually low. And then we collect six hours of urine after the IV infusion of EDTA, DMPS, Myers cocktail, which is uh, B vitamins and, and vitamin C, and then some extra glutathione, which is your body's master detoxifier and also chelating agent, natural chelating agent. And so after we give this infusion, or during and after this infusion, we're collecting the urine for six hours to see we've pushed the metals out of your tissue, out of your bloodstream into your urine, and let's see what we collected. And that's how we got this result here. This is after an infusion of six hours and their mercury was elevated. So there's, there's multiple types of toxins and they all need to be treated and ultimately the, the testing is what helps guide you which ones need to be treated first. In general, I tell my patients that mold is the worst, so we're treating that first. Second is if heavy metals are high, it will prevent you from detoxifying very quickly. So frequently we have to do metals first, even if it's not the main reason you have symptoms, in order to get the metals out so your own natural detoxification processes can speed up to get the others out. So next we're gonna talk about uh, how does the body detoxify? So in addition to the types of toxins, we're gonna to talk about how do you take those types of toxins and then apply how the body detoxifies. After we learn how the body detoxifies, then we can learn what treatments apply to that, okay? So if you're interested in that, stay tuned.